Hello, you're watching another episode of Green New Perspectives Launchpad, a webcast series dedicated to sustainability. My name is Dunja and today we sit down with Greg Johnson, CEO and co-founder of Equiport Technologies. Greg and his co-founder Kevin Kuntz created a really innovative surface technology for dealing with stormwater and flooding in a sustainable way. Their new material permeable concrete does what traditional surfaces can't. It absorbs water like a sponge but filters out the accompanying pollutants. It's got a low carbon footprint unlike the traditional cement and provides a sustainable means to dealing with our need to collect and contain water. Greg and Kevin's surface technology is still in the proof-of-concept stage, but it's generating a ton of buzz in the industry, so with its focus on sustainability and innovation, Equipore is definitely a company to watch and we think it's got a game-changing solution. So tune in to learn more about Greg and Kevin and what's in store for Equipore. Well, thank you for, for joining the GMP Launchpad podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, uh, I just have to say, I haven't found you through uh, your company, through Aquipore. I found you through your podcast, Water Voice. So I want to recommend uh, the podcast to our listeners as well, because I really think it's great. I've just listened to your episode 18. I think today, today I listened to it. I think it's called... Uh, the philosophy, how is it called? The philosophy behind, um, wait, let me find. Um, the philosophical approach to solving big environmental issues. Yeah. A great episode, great episode. Thank you. I appreciate that. We've, um, we, you know, we got into podcasting as sort of just a side way to, we, we always have these conversations amongst ourselves and we thought, you know, this would be a good way just to, um, be able to record them and go back and kind of reference different things and topics that we've been thinking about. And so um, it's been good. But that episode was fun because uh, Michael Christian, who I interviewed, um, is just a super smart, um, high level thinker. So that was that was a fun one. Yeah, I have to say your your podcast is um, I, I'm I'm not an expert on water issues, obviously, and I really love the way you're explaining those issues. Like it's it's um, down to earth. Everyone can understand what you're talking about. It's not and it's not an easy um, thing to do when you talk about complex issues and environmental issues. So bravo for that. I mean, you and your uh, co co host is um, you are great. Thank you. Um, yeah, so let's talk about you and Aquipore. <laughs> so can you tell me about your background and how you became interested in addressing the issue of wastewater failures? Sure. Um, my background, um, if you were looking from the outside looking in, which you probably are and, and most people would, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense that I'm in this uh, on this path or in this line of work because my background really was just, um, I went to school and, and I got a degree in just general business. And when I got out of school, I was involved in uh, sales. I mean, I was like a, a corporate salesperson um, for a few years. And then I got into real estate. Uh, so I was um, helping on sort of the commercial development end of real estate. And that's where I saw this big issue um, around stormwater. And what it was, was like for real estate developers, um, at least in, in our region, um, we're here in Washington state in the US. Um, and they're pretty 
strict stormwater requirements in our state. And so like commercial real estate developers always have to, if they're going to develop a new property, they have to have some stormwater management facility or some solution to manage whatever stormwater falls on their property. And the solutions at the time were pretty expensive and they took up a lot of space. And so that is when it kind of dawned on me that um, there needs to be better solutions for managing stormwater where it falls. And at the same time, my co-founder Kevin was at Washington State University and uh, he was in an environmental uh, science class and they were talking about green infrastructure and stuff. Long story short, um, he was in class with a friend of his who actually was in uh, the US from China and his family, or um, it was like a second cousin or something had a, a factory where they're making these water pervious tiles, like paving tiles. And Kevin was like, well, send a sample over. And they did. And Kevin came and brought it to me and I was blown away. I'm like, there's a market for this right now. So let's start a business. We were super like, we didn't know what we were doing. Very naive and ambitious. <laughs> so that started the first company. But since then, what we've realized is um, the issues way beyond stormwater management. Like now it's like an urban flooding issue. It's an aquifer uh, depletion issue where we're tapping aquifers and groundwater to a level that's completely unsustainable. So anyway, that's where it started. Um, and here we are today trying to solve the stormwater issue, of course, but much bigger, I think, water infrastructure type issues. So you just said like you saw the problems, but what the problems are exactly? And um, how does your solution contribute to the, let's say, um, climate change issues on water resources? How does it impact in, the, in a good way? I think um, there's a couple ways it, it can do that. So right now, and you're probably well aware of this, there's a lot of money, whether it's private money or even um, like government money that's going into what I call climate mitigation. And so it's, yeah. you know, this whole um, approach to get CO2 emissions down and to mitigate the amount of CO2 that's going off in the atmosphere. Well, we're all aware of the carbon tunnel vision. It's like yes. a popular term at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, you're right on. And so, and that's great. We need to mitigate, um, you know, CO2 emissions. But what we've not invested as much in is climate adaptation. And so what Aquapore does with our technology is we can help cities and communities adapt to a changing climate because we're going to blow past the 1.5 degrees Celsius threshold um, that basically puts us in dire straits, for lack of a better, better term. We're going to blow past that. And so what that means is cities and regions are going to get more extreme weather more commonly. What our solution does is it's a permeable concrete that can take the place of sidewalks and streets and parking lots. So when we get all this rain, it's going to get that water back into the ground naturally. Um, and so our thought is, you know, we should replace as much impervious surface area in cities as we can to make cities more sponge-like, if you will, and get that water back into the ground. The other aspect of our technology is um, it's an extremely low CO2 technology. So as opposed to normal concrete, which is very pollutive, um, 
cement goes into normal concrete cements responsible for like 8% of global CO2 emissions. So third largest, um, if it were a country, it'd be the third largest emitter in the world. And so we don't use any Portland cement in our mix. It's um, inherently low carbon, inherently green. Um, but um, what other steps do you need to, you do think that needs to be taken to modernize water infrastructure, infrastructure in America and to make it more resilient? Well, I think um, I'd like to see our cities become more permeable. So using yeah. more of our permeable-like <laughs> yeah. material and, mm -hmm. and use more um, green space would help. But on a larger scale, um, what's very interesting is we have, in most cities, we've built gray infrastructure. So when I say gray infrastructure, that's water infrastructure that you can't see. So it's everything like under the street the pipes, the tanks, uh, storm drains, like everything when it rains that takes this water somewhere to be treated. Uh, well, the problem is, and people might not be aware of this, is those systems are built on data. It's called Atlas 14 data. And it's like the, the average of precipitation that cities or regions get over time. Well, this data in some cases, like in the Pacific Northwest where we're at, they're basing it off of data from like 1970 something. Mm -hmm. And so we're getting these huge rain events and they're like, well, you know, our gray infrastructure systems are being overwhelmed. And it's because you're basing your numbers and sort of how you're designing infrastructure on decades old data. So that's one thing that could be improved. The second thing I think is, um, obviously looking at other solutions to getting water back into the ground where it falls. So I go back to like permeable pavement, um, rain gardens, more green space. Um, and then on a very, you know, a much larger scale, um, I think like the LA County, Los Angeles County has done some things where they have these big uh, spreading grounds where they basically divert stormwater to these huge like earthen bowls that then get them back, gets that water back into aquifers. So I think more of that type of approach, I think could help. So it's not one thing. I think it's multiple things that we need to do in the United States to bring our infrastructure up to date. So you need new numbers and better solutions. And um, what happened with the infrastructure you made? Have you implemented this somewhere? Have you seen some improvements um, within the communities? Yeah, well, for us, we're, uh, we're still kind of in the proof of concept stage. So we've been in research and development for almost six years now, and it's been like really tedious. It's been deep science um, to get this technology right. Um, so we're at the kind of the proof of concept stage. We have a lot of interest right now from cities and communities in the Western U.S. And what we've noticed is really interesting is these are... Uh, cities in Nevada, Arizona, California don't get much rain, but when they do get rain, um, because they've been going through drought, it's so critical that they're able to get that water back into the ground or be able to reuse it. And so um, just that amount of interest gives me hope because I think now communities and, you know, elected officials, people that are making these decisions are starting to see that this is a big problem. And they're going to have some money now to be able to solve these issues from the big infrastructure bill. And um, so we're hopeful. We're very hopeful. 
Um, I wanted to ask you, like, you, I, I didn't know that you started uh, as a real estater. So how someone, yeah, who's actually doing, uh, yeah, working in real estate um, can educate, how did you educate yourself in, in, in uh, water problems? Um, you're doing some really important things, innovative things. Uh, how, how is that happening? It's a weird long story, but uh, I just I just got interested in it. Um, I've always been interested in environmental um, type issues and being able to you know be good custodian of the environment. So right off the top of my head, I mean that was the the first thing, and then the second thing being in real estate, I just saw this pain point. There was this constant pain point, and it made me start to think, well, there's got to be a better solution out there than. Um, some of the stuff that, you know, developers were imp implementing. And so I started researching it. I was just curious. And that's how I started to, um, you know, learn more about permeable pavement. So permeable pavement's been around for a long time. But I also noticed like those solutions, they're decades old, they're not very good. So like the old permeable paving technology just relies on it's like porous asphalt has huge voids in the surface. And so those get clogged up very quickly um, with all the dirt and debris and everything that would be on a, in a parking lot or on a street. And uh, so I just realized like this is not a very good solution. And just curiosity got me deeper and deeper into it. And um, I also realized like I didn't want to be in real estate. I didn't want to be <laughs> in, in the corporate world. I've always had like an entrepreneurial bug. Um, so I just took a leap of faith with my co-founder, Kevin, and uh, that was like 12 years ago. And then when we started yeah. Aquapore, um, it's an even longer story, but I'll make it real short, was we were importing the product from overseas and we're like, well, this isn't a very good business model. We need to have our own technology so we can make material in the US or if we we're going to set up in Europe, we could make material in Europe, but we own the technology. And um, so we kind of got lucky. We met a material scientist who was working on cement technology here in Spokane and we just came together and it, it didn't happen that quick, but basically it was like, hey man, let's, we have a, a market for this. Let's start Aquapore and, and we did and here we are. Yeah, well, um, can you talk about the role that technology can play in addressing the issue? Because while well, you're doing that now. <laughs> I think technology has an outsized role to play. We have to have better technologies um, to, to solve these issues. And here's the beauty is they, they're out there. They're out there. So I think, um, I can't remember who said it, um, but I like the quote that the biggest challenges we face as a culture, as a society, as a world can be solved with the right combination of people, technology, and capital. And so I think that we have brilliant people out there, technology is out there, and we have the capital to want to solve these issues. Now, the next step is we have to have this collective want or this will to solve these big issues. And, um, and that's the next step. But I would say technology plays a huge role. Um, and I, I just have to believe that there's already technologies being developed that can solve it. Now we just have to want to do it. And when I say we, it's like uh -huh. elected, elected officials. It's like the people that make these decisions from the highest level um, 
they give it pretty good lip service. And I think in the United States, other cities are much more progressive this way than others. Um, but there's this sort of path dependency that I think in America, we've gotten too caught up on where it's like, we, we don't take risks the way that we used to. And I think we need to get back to that. We need to think much more boldly about the future. But how would you like um, Equiport to support the modernization of the water infrastructure in America? Well, to enhance would, it and to, to support its resilience? I would like to see us um, have a seat at the table to, to be able to help solve the issues. I don't think we can solve, like our solution isn't the silver bullet to do it, but I think anywhere- Nothing is, I mean, by itself, yeah. Nothing is. But I will say this, um, here's an example. Uh, in Los Angeles County, they have 9,000 miles of sidewalk that needs to be replaced. And they've been talking about, you know, billions of dollars, we need all this money to replace sidewalks just to make them, you know, more up to date. Here's my thought is, and by the way, our technology can't go everywhere. It needs to be engineered and it needs to be engineered based on soil hydrology and some other factors. But my thing is like, if you're gonna replace 9,000 miles of sidewalks, why not make them permeable to solve two issues at once, three issues at once? You're gonna get water back into the ground naturally. It's gonna be a low carbon uh, alternative to normal concrete. And the third piece is you're gonna improve your sidewalk. It's just gonna be a newer sidewalk. So. Um, I don't think I directly answered your question, but I'd like us to have a seat at the table when they're talking about replacing any physical hard surface area in cities. Why not make it with permeable aquapore material? And what are the biggest challenges that you see uh, with the implementation? Well, I think being new, a new technology is really hard. So I go back to kind of what I talked about a minute ago was cities mm -hmm. um, are pretty path dependent. Like they want, they're going to go with the things that they know and the contractors that they know. And, and so overcoming that I think is a challenge. Um, you know, we're getting to the point now, and this is why we've been so deep into R and D is getting this concrete, our material to the point where it's really cost competitive with normal concrete, which in the end is almost unfair because it's like, mm -hmm we feel like our solution solves two issues at once again, whereas normal concrete is just paved surface. Um, but, you know, that's the way people think. They're like, well, we don't wanna pay, you know, two times the cost for something. And it's like, okay, well, we'll drive our costs down um, and we have to get it to that point, which we're, we're very close to. So I think those two main issues, and then just, again, getting people and decision makers to have the collective will and the want to want to solve these huge issues and saying, yeah, let's go for it. Like, let's think bold about the next five, 10, 15 years. And are you optimistic about that? How do you see the future of water evolving in the next decade? I'm, I'm super, <laughs> I'm super optimistic about it. And you know why is because why? Uh, <laughs> I talked to, there's two sides of it. I talked to you know, people at the city level and engineers and, mm -hmm. and that can be at times like, oh my, you want to just like beat your head against the wall or beat their head against the wall, <laughs> to be like wake, wake up. But on the other hand, um, I talk to weekly 
young, um, bold entrepreneurs working in the water space, working in other spaces, robotics, aerospace, critical minerals. And uh, there's this movement right now of super um, optimistic, very bright young people working on things that will solve some of these grand challenges. And that keeps me very optimistic, not just optimistic, like excited. Um, Cause I think we have the, this young generation, we have the collective will and the brains to want to, you know, solve these issues. So you think they're going to be able to overcome the system, the political system. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, good to try. It's always yeah. good to try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe not, but uh, th there's ways to work with the political system too. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I do. I do. I think, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm a rational optimist, but I'm, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think so. Well, um, can you share some some personal um, challenges that you faced maybe for those future generations and young people who are going to listen to this podcast? Yeah, it's hard um, when you're starting mm -hmm. something new. It's obviously hard. And what happens is you come out of the gates uh, with your idea and it's super exciting. And, and you're like, I'm an entrepreneur now. And, you know, um, the first year is just very like, your high energy and um but the thing is it's it's a long road it's a it's a trek and so um you have to be able to have grit and mm -hmm. grit is like you know what you want and you know the issue that you're going to solve and so you're going to get knocked down every week almost every day so there's not a day that goes by where it's not a new challenge or a new obstacle and I think it's a mindset thing. So if you can just shift your mindset to saying, uh, it's another obstacle, um, I'm going to figure out how to work through this issue, and then you move on to the kind of the next step. And so it's having just that perseverance, um, never lose faith. If you believe in something deeply enough, you know, um, you, again, you're going to get knocked down, never lose faith. And I would say just surround yourself with people yeah. that keep you uplifted and um, read the right stuff. Uh, I'd stay away from too much social media and, and, and <laughs> news and doom and gloom and all that. That doesn't help. Um, so I don't know. I think it's just mindset. You know, if you believe in something uh, deeply enough, there you can find a way. Yeah, I have to say, um, I totally agree with you, especially with surrounding yourself with people who are optimistic. Um, and who are already in the industry. That's why we started this podcast, you know, to, to um, make a community of like-minded people um, so that we don't lose um, optimism um, but because it's, it's really easy, actually. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> to give it is up. A, yeah, yeah, it's always easier to give up. Yeah. I know. Especially today, it's like there's so much going on in the world that uh, – it just seems so negative. And um, so that, that can suck the energy out of you and you got to stay away from that. It's, it's fine to be informed, I think, of what's going on in the world, but you don't want to consume yourself with that crap. Yeah, I know, but it's a thin balance. You know, um, you have to stay connected, but then you have to pick your connections. So yeah, it's not that's, that easy, that's... especially if you're new. Yeah, that's so well said. You have to stay connected, but you have to pick your connections. So, um, yeah, in the end, like, 
um, how do you think that individuals and communities should get evolved? Um, and how can we like all together shape our better tomorrow? You know, I think it's just, it can be very small things. I think if you live in a city, um, you know, little measures of you know, conservation, just being conscientious about, um, like, it, it, here's an example. In I live in Spokane, Washington, and we uh, sit atop, I think, one of the most pristine aquifers in America. Like, we have this freshwater abundance that is such a blessing, but we take it for granted. People here take it for granted. And I think if, if people, uh, I bring it back to Spokane, if you just think like, you don't need to keep the water on the whole time you're brushing your teeth for two and a half minutes or whatever, little things like that. Um, I think, and I know this sounds so trivial, but you know, I walk around in my neighborhood, I'm walking my dog, there's trash everywhere, you know, or little trash on the trail, just picking that stuff up. And it changes your mindset because now you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm doing my part, my little small part. But I think then you get to the bigger level and being able to, if you vote, okay, voting is important. You have constituent, you're a constituent in your city or in your town, um, city council, uh, you'll have their ear or you should, and you should be vocal about certain things that you think, um, you know, need to be implemented in terms of environmental stewardship and stuff like that. And then I think at the bigger level is thinking about, you know, the, the greatest way you can vote is with your wallet. And so, um, you know, if you're buying things that are sustainable for the most part, I think you're voting that way. Um, I think investing in companies and movements that um, are sustainable is another step you can take. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's just being conscientious about those types of things. And I would like, I would add that you have to educate yourself because we have too much greenwashing these days. So yeah, in order to invest, to support, to do whatever you need to know who you're supporting. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Thank you, Greg. Do you have something else to add to this conversation? Uh, no, I mean, I, I guess in closing, well, first I want to thank you for shining the light and doing everything you're doing um, to shine the light on people and companies that are trying to do well in the world. Uh, I would just leave by saying, you know, if anyone's interested in learning more about what we're doing, just go to aquapore.com. We're at A-Q-U-I-P-O-R.com. And um, other than that, I just really appreciate you having me on. No, thank you. Um, we're going to leave all the links below in the description. Don't worry. We're going to tag you everywhere. We're, you're pretty active on social media. You, are, you and your co-host have followed you everywhere. So uh, your content is actually really good. Like you Thanks. guys are uh, startup uh, co-founders and uh, influencers. Like. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Not influencers. I I prefer thought leaders. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. True, true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Influencers But, in the business space. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, thanks again, Greg. Um, I wish you all the best in your um aquapore way. I wish you to to uh, make a future better. You're already like started. Um 
Yeah. So thank you again. Thank you very much and keep up the good work. Bye. Bye bye. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of GMP Launchpad. We hope you got some valuable insight and inspiration out of today's episode. If you did, give us a shout out on social media and let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. And hey, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, what are you waiting for? We've got some more awesome episodes coming your way featuring amazing guests from the sustainability space. So we'll be back with more talks, with more guests, with more episodes. So until then... Keep dreaming, keep launching, and keep making a positive impact on the world. Bye.